As we already expressed a few moments ago, we are so glad that you're here. And as we study together from God's Word this morning, we hope and trust, and our prayer is that we'll say something that will be a source of strength and encouragement and edification to you. And you'll leave here, you'll have been built up in the most holy faith, and you'll say it was good that you had the opportunity to be in the Lord's house this morning. As Jesus Christ walked up and down the dusty roads of Palestine, Jesus was constantly teaching people. And one of the most common ways that Jesus taught people was in parables. He would take something common and ordinary, something people were extremely familiar with, And then he would draw a spiritual parallel with that for the people. And by taking something common and everyday and ordinary that they were familiar with, it made it clearer for them to understand his spiritual teachings. It made it easier for them to understand. Very early in his ministry, Jesus told three little parables trying to describe the kingdom of God. One of these was the parable of the leaven. Another was the growth of a seed. And then there was that parable of the mustard seed. As stories go, it is a rather short parable. It's recorded in Mark chapter 4 and verses 30 through 32. And it says, And he saith unto them, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what comparison shall we compare it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when it's sown in the earth is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it groweth up, and becometh greater than all herbs, and shooteth out great branches, so the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. In that far-off day and time, the mustard seed was a very familiar object to those people that Jesus was talking to. I don't know that I've ever actually seen a mustard seed in its purest form. I remember seeing them years ago, and still occasionally some people put a mustard seed inside a glass or crystal ball and wear it as a necklace. But I've never actually held a mustard seed in my hand. But it was something that Jesus used to illustrate something small, but very, very powerful. Remember, Jesus one time said, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, nothing shall be impossible unto you. Can you imagine that? If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, nothing is impossible, Jesus said. That's in Matthew 17 and verse 20. The figure of a tree was also a favorite symbol of growth that Jesus used. A symbol of beauty. A symbol of strength. Jesus said the kingdom of God is like the smallest seed you can have becoming the largest tree. Remember, 
We talked about that small group of 120 meeting in that upper room at Pentecost. And that small group of 120 turned the world upside down. That small group of 120 was accused of filling Jerusalem with their doctrine. Well, Jesus is telling His followers. He's saying to them then, He's saying to you and me today, Christianity may be small in its origins, but Christianity has the power of growth and usefulness and potency. It far exceeds its expectations and its outward appearances. As I said, Jesus used things that were familiar to people of His day and His time. To be sure, how many of you really know a whole lot about mustard seeds? How many of you have actually planted a mustard seed in, say, the last five years? That's what I'd expect. The usual suspects have done it. But here's the thing. About all I know about a mustard seed is when I go to some place and I buy a whole grain mustard that's got those little seeds in it that are so potent in their flavor. What Jesus is saying to us is, just like the mustard seed, Christianity may seem small, but its potential is terrific. The gospel is spiritual power. It's part of the energy of the universe. And if you look closely at that short parable of the mustard seed in Mark chapter 4, you find characteristics of Christianity. Because you see, Christianity is a living relationship between man and God. Notice in that parable that Jesus used the phrase, when it is sown, twice. I find that interesting. Jesus seems to be emphasizing not just the small size of the seed, but He's also emphasizing the dependence of the seed on the soil for its growth. The seed alone, the seed by itself is of no great value. But when the seed is related to its natural source of life, the soul, the soil, then that seed has great power to perform. Folks, right there is the heart of Christianity. Christianity is not just some mere human philosophy of life as some would like to reduce it to. And Christianity is no simple matter of human kindness and goodwill. It's not a system of social legislation. It's not a system of human well-being. And Christianity is not some abstract idea of the nature of things. To be sure, it includes all of that. But the roots of Christianity are deeper. And the roots of Christianity are more vital than those things. 
Christianity is the life of man rooted in the life of God. And this relationship is set up and it's set up through Jesus Christ as the revelation of God and as the Savior of mankind. I think that this is illustrated by a story not in the Bible, but by the English novelist John Galsworthy. He's best known probably for writing the Foresight Saga and the sequels to that. How many have read that? Well, one of the books in the Foresight Saga Chronicles, there's nine of them, is entitled Made in Waiting. And one of the principal characters in that story is a young lady named Denny. And she's a part of the Cheryl family. That's the family that Fleur Foresight married into. In the novel, there is a conversation between Denny and her mother. The novel comes out of that era of the 20s. And this conversation was typical of young people of that era. It's also typical of young people in our own modern world. Then he says to her mother, Providence is a washout, mother. It's too remote. I suppose there is an eternal plan, but we're like gnats for all the care that Providence has for us as individuals. And her mother says, don't encourage those feelings, Denny. They affect one's character. And then Denny says, I don't see the connection between beliefs and character. I'm not going to behave any worse because I cease to believe in providence or an afterlife. If I'm decent, it's because decency is the decent thing and not because I'm going to get anything by it. The mother's reply goes to the very heart of the matter, both then in that conversation and both now and for all of eternity. But why is decency the decent thing, Denny, if there is no God? Why is decency the decent thing if there is no God? How do we know what the decent thing is if there is no God? God is the source. And God is the soil of all those rich qualities of life and spirit that we call Christian qualities. They're all demonstrated by Jesus Christ, and it was Jesus that said, I and the Father are one. And through Jesus Christ, all those rich qualities of Life and the spirit that were belong to Jesus Christ and belong to God become ours also. It was Paul who would say, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Our soul, our human soul finds God in Jesus Christ. And that, beloved, is Christianity. When our human soul finds God in Jesus Christ, 
It means the divine life has entered the human life. But it means more, so much more than that. It also means the forgiveness of sins. It means peace of mind. It means being released from my fears. It means being rooted and grounded in the things that are eternal and the things that abide. And it means finding joy in the things of the Spirit. It means the transformation of human life. We need to understand something else about Christianity. Something that a lot of our world has lost sight of. Christianity is also not to be used as a political force. That does not mean that we don't get involved as Christians. That does not mean that we don't vote. That does not mean that we don't let our opinions and our voices be heard. But it means that we don't hide behind Christianity as a political force. W. Aiken Smart was one time dean of the School of Theology at Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia. Here's what he had to say. Jesus was not a social reformer. Jesus lived under a despotic totalitarianism. And he never attacked it. He never suggested the freeing of slaves. He never attacked drinking or gambling. And he never spoke about international relations. Jesus was a specialist in religion. Not in sociology. Jesus was interested in man's relationship to God. But social change has flowed as a result from his great religious passion and will continue to flow. Listen to it. But it is a result and will cease if its source is cut off. Social change comes about as a result of Christianity. But it's a result of people's changed lives through the power of Jesus Christ. It's not through using the church or Christianity as a club. A club. To affect social change. I think sometimes we need to learn that all over again. Our faith cannot be in social legislation. We cannot make men and women good by giving them the good things of life. And we cannot translate the kingdom of God in terms of economics, psychology, and sociology. We must understand that these values are the result and they are not the source. Christianity will be saved from its barrenness and impotence when it puts human redemption at the center of its gospel 
and not the social and political issues of the day. I'll say that again. Christianity will be saved from its barrenness and its impotence when it puts human redemption, the salvation of souls, at the center of its gospel and not the social and political issues of the day. Christianity, beloved, is a vital power for living. Think of how many contrasts Jesus uses in his parables. He talks about wise and foolish maidens, some that took oil for their lamps and some that didn't. He talks about wise men building houses on a solid rock foundation and foolish men building houses on sand. He talks about Lazarus and the rich man and he talks about the Pharisee and the publican going to the temple to pray. In this parable of the mustard seed, Jesus contrasts size. He calls the mustard seed itself less than all the seeds upon the earth. Then what does he say? That tree that comes from that seed becomes greater than all herbs. Jesus is telling his listeners, and Jesus is telling you and me, that appearances, outward appearances are deception as far as Christianity is concerned. Faith in God may seem insignificant in the way that the world views bigness and in the way the world views importance. But it has a drive, a thrust, and a power for living that overshadows its humble origins. In this age we live in today, sometimes it gets really easy to mistake bigness for importance. And sometimes we mistake size for significance. We need to take a step back. And we need to realize the potency and the power of Christianity. We need to fully comprehend the power of a crucified Jesus. And when we fully comprehend the power of a crucified Jesus, we'll see that Christianity reverses the measurements of the world. Christianity makes the least greatest. It makes the servant the master. Through Christianity, the humble become supreme, the weak become strong, and the pure in heart. Well, they're always victorious. Christianity, folks, is a program of service for the living. When that tiny mustard seed becomes a tree, it becomes an object of usefulness. What did Jesus say? The birds can lodge under the shadow of its branches, didn't he? And what did Jesus say? He said the kingdom's like that. Christianity doesn't spend itself in ancestor worship. And Christianity doesn't 
spend itself in dull contemplation or self-denial? As Christians, we find fulfillment in serving mankind. We are saved to serve. We are not saved to be served. The aim of Christianity should be and must be to make the world a better place. And prepare men and women for heaven. As individual Christians, me and you. As the church, collectively. We grow as we give. And we become strong as we serve. Christianity is real. When it spills from one life into another. That song that we sing sometimes. How sweet, how heavenly is the sight when those that love the Lord in one another's peace delight and so fulfill the Word. When sorrow flows from eye to eye and joy from heart to heart. When our Christianity, when our Christ-likeness spills over from our life into the life of others, that's when our Christianity is real. And that's when it means something. When our Christianity becomes ingrown. When our Christianity becomes self-satisfied. When we reach the point that we say, I've arrived. That's when our Christianity dies. When our Christianity leaps from heart to heart. When it leaps from life to life. That's when our Christianity lives. And we strengthen ourselves as we bring strength to others. That parable of the mustard seed, folks, that shows us the power of Christianity. And Jesus said that mustard seed, it needs to represent our faith. If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, nothing shall be impossible to you. The mustard seed just doesn't realize how small it is compared to the other seeds. It's never read a seed catalog. It's like the bumblebee. You know the story of the bumblebee. By all the laws of physics and all the laws of aerodynamics. Because of the wingspan in relation to the body length and the weight. By all the rules of aerodynamics and physics. The bumblebee cannot fly. Period. The problem is the bumblebee is ignorant of aerodynamics. The bumblebee never took a physics course. And so the bumblebee, not knowing anything about physics and aerodynamics, continues to fly. We've got to be like that. If we've got this kind of faith a mustard seed had, Jesus said nothing is impossible. How great your faith. How great is your faith this morning? Is it as great as that of a mustard seed? Has your faith been strong enough to put Jesus on in baptism? Having done that, has it been strong enough to keep living His kind of life? Is He Lord and Master of your life today? I don't know what's going on with you. I don't know what your needs are. Maybe there are needs in your life that you need to change. Things you need to do differently for 
Jesus to be Lord and Master of your life. I don't know what it might be, but if we can help you, this is your opportunity to let us know that. Let your desires be made known as together we stand and while we sing.